Section 54 of The Catholic's Ready Answer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Catholic's Ready Answer by Rev. M. P. Hill. Section 54. Latin in the Liturgy. Objection. Why use Latin in the liturgy? Why may not English-speaking nations use their own language? as the Greeks and Syrians use theirs. Latin is a strange tongue to the vast majority of worshippers. The answer. The Catholic Church is not a national church. It is a church for all nations under the sun. Universality is one of the marks by which it is distinguished from all other churches bearing the name of Christian. Hence, a universal language is necessary in its public worship. In modern business life, the absence of a universal language is much deplored, and various attempts have been made to invent one. For the Catholic Church, in which the necessity of such a language is much more urgent, a universal language has been providentially supplied. The possession of a common language is essential not to the existence of the Church, but to its well-being. Let us try to realise what this means in the actual life of the Church. In the first place, the words of the Mass are fixed, stereotyped, and in the more essential parts of the Mass are as ancient as the Church itself. They remain unchanged because they are so intimately connected with the unchangeable sacrifice. Now, the greater the tendency to multiply vernacular versions, the greater the danger of departing from the meaning of the original, and the Church, for the best of reasons, has always been jealous of any change in her consecrated formulae. In the case of Greeks and Syrians, the danger is reduced to the minimum, as the Eastern nations are proverbial for their conservative spirit. In the second place, the use of one language in the Mass is a matter of convenience amounting almost to a necessity. There is scarcely a single passage in the text of the Mass that is not a subject of rubrical legislation. The decisions of Roman congregations standing committees of cardinals, and the writings of rubricists on the language of the Mass are voluminous. Now, suppose they had to deal not with one language, but with hundreds. Difficulties would multiply indefinitely. Furthermore, in the case of bishops and priests travelling in foreign countries, the offering of the sacrifice of the Mass would be attended with the greatest difficulty. The travellers would have to know the language of every country they passed through unless they carried their mass books with them, which would be very inconvenient, and even if they did so, they could not be understood by the servers, whilst the people would be surprised, perhaps shocked, by the strange sounds accompanying the sacred rites, and they certainly would not understand the words any better than our English congregations understand the Latin. A Catholic priest can celebrate the holy sacrifice in nearly every part of the world in which he happens to be travelling, and, we may add, a Catholic layman on a foreign strand can have the delicious feeling of being at home once he enters a church to hear Mass. The stock objection against the use of Latin is that it is not understood by the congregation. This objection was never made by anyone who was familiar with Catholic life and devotion. Did the objector ever see a Catholic congregation hearing Mass? Did he ever see the people approaching the altar rail to receive Holy Communion? If he did, he must have been convinced that language was an insignificant thing compared with the great action that was being performed. 
our separated brethren have lost their grasp of the idea of sacrifice as connected with religion. They know nothing of the great action by which the sacrifice of the cross is perpetuated in an unbloody form. To them, language is everything, and consequently, the linguistic objection appeals to them with double force. And yet Catholics might stake their case upon the assertion that they are accustomed to an intelligible language in the services of their church. The writer of the present article has never known a day from childhood, and after he had learned to read his English prayer book, when he did not know the meaning of every sentence the priest uttered at the altar. The meaning of the Latin was given in the English equivalent, and besides the English rendering there were indications at intervals of what was going forward at the altar, whilst in some prayer books there were explanations of the several parts of the Mass considered as commemorations of distinct parts of Christ's Passion. At solemn Masses he had the additional pleasure and advantage of hearing a language musical in itself, rendered doubly musical by the alternate chant of sanctuary and choir. If all this is true, the language difficulty is a mere abstract or a priori one, and is easily dissolved by the application of one or two facts. What we have said of the Mass is applicable to the Vespers and the benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. But it must not be forgotten that apart from the prayer book, the vernacular is not by any means banished from our churches. Not only are the Gospel and Epistle read to the people in English, and the sermon or instruction given in English, but there are many public devotions, both on Sundays and on weekdays, which are exclusively in English. There is probably more English heard in Catholic churches in a week than in Protestant churches in a month. End of section 54